0: and fear while we may feel our limitations. God, we, we look to you as the one who's enthroned over all. Heaven is your throne. Earth is your footstool. And so, God, we trust that you are in control in these moments and by your providence, will work all things out for the good of uh, your people and for your own glory. So, God, thank you that we, we can trust that in these moments, you're, you're at work. Uh, while we may be quarantined you 're at work on behalf of your people, and so even right now, we pray for Grace City Church of frankfurt and oh god we, we, we thank you for them, we thank you for the wise leadership of of the pastors there uh, we thank you for the the compassionate hands that are so often busy uh, in their congregation. We do ask that you would grant them both wisdom and how to care for their church body during this time, as well as just ways in which they can demonstrate in greater ways um, your own love to those around them. And so, God, even with the the technology barriers for some, God, I pray that you would meet those folks who don't have the resources to be able to connect in online. And so we, we pray that you would meet their hearts, that you would meet their needs, that you would provide uh, platforms as creative as they may need to be in order that that church can feel together, that folks can feel cared for, that they can feel something um, even of participation in in Christ being experienced during this season. So God, we also then pray for Grace for Youth. God, I pray for every child within this neighborhood, within our own church body. Uh, God, we love the fact that you are getting a hold of Little Hearts, um, Jesus, thank you that you you say let the kids come unto me, and God, thank you the the heart that you have for these children. So we we do pray a unique blessing upon them during this time. Even as Grace for Youth has been canceled during this time, I pray that the momentum, the traction, the stuff that you're doing in their hearts and lives wouldn't come to a halt. But by your Holy Spirit, you'd be doing a work, even from a distance, uh, that you would be keeping the truths alive that they have uh, heard about and been taught throughout the last couple seasons, that you would sovereignly bring those truths to mind and even perhaps when their own hearts might be fearful or, or they may be feeling the impatience and the difficulty of oh, God, tend to their hearts, bring peace to their hearts. May your presence be known. And so, God, we pray that you would do a special work in them even through uh, this different season. So, God, we, we entrust those kids uh, to you. And also, Lord, we do pray for our um, governing officials, uh, local and national, God, what, what wisdom is necessary um, during this season probably goes beyond our own human capabilities. And and with so many unknowns, God, we, we do pray that you would give um, our officials something of kind of foresight, something of wisdom in how to anticipate the coming months and how best to go about things. And so we ask that your spirit of wisdom would be upon them, leading them and guiding them. God, we thank you that you even declare that the heart of the king is in your hand, that when it comes to governing officials, uh, God, you, you are at work in and through their lives for the sake of our locale, our, our nation. And so, God, we, we pray that um, you would work to bring about wisdom, to see hope and healing brought about. And God, uh, finally, we, we ask that even during this time, We trust that you won't waste it, but we also want to pray, Lord, don't waste this time. If it's to bring us to an awareness of just how limited we are as a people who live in a Western world with more than what we need, God, bring us to our knees that way. Show us our limitations. Show us the foolishness of our own sense of self-sufficiency. Bring us to our knees in such a way that we, we would cry out to you, that we would cry out to the one who is the great I am, who gives life, breath, and all things. God, may it be that you soften hearts, that you, you, you bring us to our knees, that we would be a people who, who consistently are looking to you as the one who supplies all life and sustains all life so we want to honor you you are the holy one you are the king of kings you are the one who sits enthroned over all and so we look to you as the one of our ultimate dependence and say god would you come and do a work in and through your people during this time god i pray even for those who may be listening in this morning who are not connected to any kind of church family maybe it's Maybe they're not even really familiar with, with church life or, or what we're even doing right now, asking questions, why are they singing such weird songs, and why does this guy just keep on praying? Um, gotta pray that in these moments you get a hold of their hearts, that in these moments it's not a mistake that they're watching or listening in, uh, but you're at work. You've sovereignly orchestrated these moments because you want to demonstrate your love to them. So, God, do a work, even through this season, to bring people to yourself. May your gospel be known. May your compassion and love. May your mercy be known to sinners and to the broken. God, you are the one who alone, as Jesus says, can bring satisfaction to the thirsty soul. So, we pray that you would do it as different as a season as this is, as all this online stuff is taking place. Jesus, you, you can work through even these platforms in order to satisfy the thirsty soul. So would you do that? Would you do much for your own namesake? And it, it's, it's to you that we will bring our praises. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: All right, good morning, guys. Uh, I'm going to be rolling with the uh, handheld mic today because I want to make sure you guys can hear me because I know people say I talk softly. And the lapel mic makes a lot of noise when you crank it up. So I'm going to go with this. So I I really want to make sure you guys can hear me okay. Um, So make sure you comment and let Tim know if you need the volume turned up. Uh, So this morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. You guys can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke 12, verses 22 to 34. And I really hope you've already done this, but I wanna encourage you as you're in your home to really set aside unique time to to listen in to the word of God. And I know it's hard, especially uh, my wife at home with the kids, and for anybody else, there's distractions in the house and I know those are real distractions. Um, so I just wanna take a moment to pray that we'll be able to like really focus in. Because when you're at home on the couch in your PJs, you can get up and leave the room at any time and we don't know it and it's less distracting. So I um, just want to encourage you guys to really focus in during this time. So let's pray real quick. Lord, I pray right now that you would bring a supernatural um, calm and peace for each person who's watching this in their home or wherever they may be right now. Lord, would you allow them to, to step away from distractions to tune in to what you have to say? And Lord, even as I have many distractions trying to get this stuff online, Um, help me to be able to teach your word as you would have me to to speak it to your people. Um, So, Lord, I pray that there would be calm for the the children who may be in the rooms. Um, Help them to be at peace and so that your people can hear your word and that it would be impactful and and changing of people's hearts because your word is powerful. Um, So, Lord, would you strengthen us in your faith today, in faith in you. Strengthen us in... Uh, your trustworthiness as our provider and enable us to put our trust in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Do, Do you guys know, like really know deep in your heart that our God has a humongous, generous heart? Like, do you really know the depth of God's generosity? It actually pleases God to give to you. And even when I say those words, it pleases God to give, those words aren't even enough to fully capture the depth of how much it pleases Him. Even just saying, it pleases God, it kind of brings to my mind that half-smirk emoji, like, it pleases God, kind of this cool, calm satisfaction. But it's really more than that, guys. Remember that when God is pleased, that pleasure is an infinite, God-sized pleasure. He's the source of all pleasure that we've ever experienced, right? So anything, that any pleasure you've ever experienced, multiply that by infinity, and that is how much it pleases God to give to you. God's heart is filled with God-sized, infinite pleasure when he gives gifts to his children. Think about that. If there was just one thought that I could leave with you today, it would be that right there, that God's heart is filled with pleasure to give to you because he's a generous God. And so Luke chapter 12, verse 22 is the text we're looking at. I encourage you, if you haven't, open up your Bible to that passage. In the section heading in my Bible, I don't know about yours, says, do not be anxious. How many of you are anxious right now? If there was ever a good time to talk about those words, do not be anxious. I believe that right now for us is the perfect time. Even more specifically, how many of you are anxious about things like food and clothing and paying your bills, the basic necessities of life? How many of you are anxious about those things right now? See, this passage of scripture deals with anxiety. And it deals with uncertainty surrounding those physical provisions and basic needs. And as you'll see, the cure for that anxiety, the cure for the anxiety that you're feeling right now over those things, is God's generosity. And so as, as our nation and even the world goes through a time of uncertainty and anxiety over these things, anxiety is increasing. People are getting laid off. People are not working, people are not getting paid, and that anxiety is real and it's present. But I want to communicate the message of these verses to encourage your hearts and to magnify God's generosity. So let's read through this text together, Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The first thing that we need to grasp this morning when it comes to this anxiety, and I believe it it feels really obvious, but I, f- I don't think we can pass it by, and that is this. Jesus wants to release you from anxiety. Jesus wants to re- release you from anxiety. His desire for your life, His will as you walk through your days is that you be Worry-free, anxiety-free. And see, when Jesus spoke these words in Luke 22, he was speaking directly to his disciples, his closest friends. He had just turned from warning the crowds at large against having excess of material possessions. And then he turns to his disciples, this group of individuals who had left everything to follow him. He was their closest friend and he knew their individual needs. He knew what they left behind. He knew what they were lacking. Yet he still said those words don't be anxious about your life. And so, even now, Jesus knows your unique situation. He knows what you're going through. And he still says to you do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on. He wants to release you from that anxiety. So aside from just the simple fact that Jesus says, do not be anxious, what other reasons does he give? So the first reason is right here in verse 23. And he begins with this. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. The first reason that Jesus would say to you to release that anxiety is that your life is more than basic needs. One of the most dominant messages in the world today, if you just browse the internet, um, browse the cash register aisle in the store and look at the magazines, one of the most dominant messages is that few things, if any, are more important than you feeling good and looking good as a result of what you eat and what you wear. Just think about how much content is out there specifically about food and clothing, The world's message is that those things are life. When you look good and you feel good, you're really living. And on a more personal level, besides just the media that you might be consuming, think about how much time and energy you expend every day on tasks specifically related to food and clothing. Between food shopping, meal planning, meal prep, actually eating the meals, then cleaning the dishes, cleaning the kitchen, and then picking out an outfit to wear, getting ready, doing the laundry, folding the laundry, putting away the laundry. Um, That's a lot of time, especially for moms. That is a lot of time every day. But beyond that, do you even have time to do anything else? I mean, really, do you have time, besides all that stuff, to do anything else? Well, you actually spend 40 hours a week working to earn the money that you need to buy the food, to pay for your rent for the house where you're going to store all those clothes. And so between all that eating and prepping and cleaning and putting away, then there's 40 hours a week that you spend working. Honestly, it really does feel like at times that your entire life revolves around working to eat and then eating to keep working. And that's, that's real. That's really what it feels like sometimes. How many of you have felt that before? I hope I'm not the only one. There is a, a really powerful book written in 1939 by John Steinbeck, and it's called The Grapes of Wrath. I don't know if anybody's read it. But that book is so powerful in vividly portraying this cycle, this reality of human life that, that we work to eat, and then we eat to work. And in the book, there's a family from Oklahoma who's been displaced by the destruction of the Dust Bowl and the economic depression that came afterwards. And so this one scene relates. They finally get to a peach orchard where they're able to work for just pennies. And so the whole family goes out in the fields for an entire day from dawn until dusk, and they're laboring and sweating and toiling, and they get a dollar And so they go to the store with their dollar and they spend their entire dollar on just enough food to eat dinner that night and breakfast the next morning so they can go back out to the fields. This is the reality of our history as a nation. This was a real thing, Um, but not just this one little example. This is still happening for people all around the world. Think about the number of people that are just working to survive. They're just working to get their next meal. This was the experience of Ruth and Naomi. We just spent weeks talking about the story of Ruth. This was her reality. Yet despite the harsh reality of hunger and poverty and need, these things are real. Jesus, still completely aware of all that, says, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear. Your life was designed for something more than acquiring those basic needs. Jesus wants you to remember that your very existence, the purpose of your life, is more than just getting that next meal to do that more work. He wants you to zoom out like a drone, you know, lifting up off the ground where you see the, the scene unveiling as the drone gets higher and higher. I wish I had a, a video that I could insert right now, but I don't, unfortunately. But he wants you to zoom out like that from your current situation, from the intensity of that need. He's not denying that need. He's, he wants you to zoom out from it, though, and see the beauty of God's intention for your life. It's more than that. It's so much more than that. Uh, if, if you can, just turn in your Bible to Genesis 1 really quick. Look at the end of Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to turn there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we see that intention. And this is, guys, if you've read the Bible before, this is like Bible Basics 101, but we can't get past this reality. God blessed Adam and Eve, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. He said, I've given you every plant that's on the face of the earth and every tree with its fruit for food and to every animal on the earth, every bird, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath, I've given these plants for food, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. God's design for us from the beginning has been much more than just food. God's design for us is to fill the earth, to multiply, to subdue the earth, to be productive, to maximize our potential, yet to do so in the goodness and the wisdom and the wholehearted care instilled in us by our Creator. And that massive calling is all for the purpose of reflecting who God is. And each time we multiply a life and bring a new baby into this world, we're again multiplying that image of God. And that's our purpose here, guys. It's to fill the earth and to to have dominion over it in goodness like our Creator and then multiply that image We're here to enjoy God, to be fully satisfied in him. And we've been given the whole world full of wonder and mystery and beauty to do that, to fulfill that calling. And food and clothing are just a tiny, tiny piece of that fullness. Remember what Jesus said when he was tempted by Satan? He was fasting and he was hungry. And Satan says, if you're so hungry, turn the stone into bread and eat it. And Jesus says, but man should not live by bread alone. And then he expands on that idea later in John chapter 4 as his disciples say, has someone given him food? And he says, well, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. See, Jesus was pointing out that that life is more than just what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear. But this phrase, life is more, also communicates the sense that your life is not only designed for more, but it's sustained by more than just food and clothing. It's, namely, it's sustained by God Himself. In that that passage in Genesis 1, He gave every plant and tree and fruit as food, but then He continues to sustain and provide that food and nourishment even now. There wasn't a one-time deal where he just gave it and then left it. He's sustaining it. He's present. He provides the sunshine and the rain for the produce and food for the animals. Psalm 147, verses 8 and 9 talks about that. He upholds all things by the word of his power, Hebrews 1, 3. And in him, all things are held together, Colossians 1:17. See, every molecule and planet is literally held in place. You're being held in your seat by gravity right now. That's being sustained by God's command. He's literally sustaining everything right now. Look how quickly... Um, businesses have been shutting down over the last two or three weeks. People who have plenty all of a sudden find themselves without work and without money because just like that, something has shut down everything that they do. Should you worry? No, because your life is sustained by something more. It's not sustained by your job. It's not sustained by the food that you eat, the house that you live in. Your life is sustained by God himself. So let this truth lift your eyes up beyond the present need to where your help comes from. Your Heavenly Father's designed you for a purpose, which is to do his work, his will. And he sustains you to fulfill that purpose. So your life really is more than food and your body really is about more than just what you're going to wear and what you're going to look like. But then he goes on to give examples from creation to to prove this, to show that your life is uniquely cared for. Guys, we shouldn't be anxious about this because your life is uniquely cared for. First of all, God uniquely cares for people, especially among all other creation. He gives the example first of the ravens. Let me get my my page out so I can read the verse. He says in verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap and they don't have storehouses or barns. They really don't have to do anything other than leave their nest and pick up the food and eat it. God is feeding them It's really fascinating to note here in Luke that Jesus uses the example of the raven, which according to the Old Testament law was an unclean bird. And here he's saying, even these unclean ravens are filled by the generosity of our Heavenly Father. They're fed by him. And how much more valuable is your life to your maker than the ravens who aren't created in the image of God? Then he goes on, he says, consider the flowers, the lilies, in verse 27. They neither toil nor spin. They grow as they receive water and sunlight. Man, if ravens don't have to really work for their food, lilies have to do even less because they just sit there and they just grow. God just feeds them and they grow. I love to get a glimpse of Jesus here enjoying his creation. He says, I tell you, I imagine that's like him saying, I'm just saying, even Solomon, even the wealthiest king, the wisest king in all his glory wasn't arrayed like these flowers that I created. He's in awe by his creation. That's so beautiful. I love to see that. He's just enjoying it, and it's all for his glory. But again, these flowers weren't created with the same level of inherent worth and dignity that you were as a child of God in his image. How much more will he clothe you? See, your life as a person is inherently worth much more than plants and animals and planets and galaxies because it's in God's very image. All those things, that other creation is faithfully sustained by God in strength and beauty without fail. So how much more will he care for you? His love is uniquely set upon his sons and daughters over the rest of creation. And he will be faithful to sustain your life for its purpose. It's designed for more than eating. It's designed for more than looking good. And it's sustained by more than eating and having a roof over your head. But there's also an interesting distinction that he makes. Besides just people being worth more than all of other creation, he makes another distinction that expands this whole thing to a kingdom-level issue. Look at verse 29 and 30. He says, Don't seek what you're to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. There's something special and unique about the people who are in God's kingdom, as opposed to those Who stand outside in rebellion. And the provision that God is prepared to unleash upon his kingdom people is different than people who are not in that kingdom. And this is a point where skepticism begins to arise. People actually reject faith in Jesus because they they see this exclusivity of his provision and they stop there and they turn away from Jesus. But I don't want you to stop there. I don't want to let skepticism keep you from getting to God's full provision and generosity for his kingdom people. This language here in verse 30 says, for all the nations of the world. Um, Matthew, in his account, uses the term Gentiles, which makes it clear that Jesus is here saying You who are my followers are in a different category when it comes to how I'm going to provide for you than those who are not, the rest of the world who has rejected me. It actually communicates the idea that when you worry over these basic needs, you're actually behaving like and even becoming like somebody who rejects Jesus, somebody who rejects their creator. You're actually becoming like them as you're worrying and fearful that God's not going to provide. Yet all the while, your father knows what you need, and he stands ready to provide it. Verse 31 makes it clear that if you seek God's kingdom, you will have all these things added to you. And that implies, when Jesus says that, that if you are not seeking God's kingdom, you're not necessarily going to have all these things added, at least in the same way. See, people who are primarily concerned with submitting to God's kingly rule are, are less and less progressively, less and less, the more they know something of God, the more they submit to his rule. They're becoming less and less concerned with physical needs, and they're actually going to begin to see those things as an addition, an addendum. He says these things will be added to you. They're not the most primary thing, but they will be added but people who aren't concerned with God's kingdom, those n- the nations of the world who don't accept God as their king and their provider, the nations of the world are going to be seeking after those basic needs. They're going to be striving. They're going to be in that cycle of toiling to eat and eating to toil. And that's where they're going to stay. Does that mean that God is not providing for them? No. God's pouring out common grace on all of his creation. And even the ones who reject him, he's sustaining their life and giving them a new opportunity every single day to run to him for refuge. He's pouring out rain on the just and the unjust. He's providing food for his people as the climax of his creation above all other things. Yet, if you're not concerned about his kingdom, his rule over you, there's going to be a difference. There still seems to be a disconnect, though, when you think about these things because there are people in the world who reject God. Some of the most ungodly, wicked people might be some of the most wealthiest, and some of the poorest people who seem to be in the most need might be the most faithful servants of God. How do we reconcile that? It doesn't make sense. And even more, Many, if not most of you that are listening right now or whenever you listen, you might already be in God's kingdom people. You're already holding on to these promises. You know God is your provider and your creator, yet you're still struggling with anxiety over these things. How do we reconcile that, that real need that's staring us in the face right now? You don't have any money. You don't have anything to eat. You don't have anything to pay your next bill. How do we reconcile that need? Even though you, you might know these truths, you might have been a follower of Jesus for most of your life, and you know this stuff, anxiety is a heart condition that can't just be willed away. You can't just be intellectually um, strong and, and very self-disciplined and just make anxiety go away. It doesn't work like that. And that's where Jesus is getting to when he brings up the kingdom of God. This is a kingdom issue, not just a mental prowess issue. We can't not just think about this stuff enough until we're not anxious. See, the, the issue that we're dealing with when it comes to anxiety is an effect of the curse of sin upon all of earth. And it's an effect of sin that can only be reversed by Jesus himself. And this anxiety is ultimately rooted in a fear that God's not going to come through as he promised. He says that little phrase, O you of little faith. The ones who are worried about what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear, these basic needs, that's rooted in fear that God's not going to do as he says. But the beautiful thing is verse 32. Jesus knows that our faith is weak, right? Right? He knows that. He says, fear not, little flock. He knows that we're sheep who are going to drift off. He knows that we're not going to perfectly understand all these things and follow him. He says, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Anxiety must be dealt with on a kingdom level. So instead of worrying, he says, seek God's kingdom. And that's the point when all these things are going to be added to you. That's the point when you're going to see the generosity of God come crashing down like an avalanche. See, the earth is bound up in the kingdom of darkness, which is a kingdom of fear, a kingdom of anxiety and deception. That stuff abounds in this earth. It's surrounding us everywhere. And Satan wants you to believe those lies that God's not going to come through as he promised. But God has brought out his people from the kingdom of darkness through Jesus into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus, God's beloved son. And in that kingdom, Jesus reigns in peace and love, giving every good thing to his people. The solution to this anxiety, even all anxiety, but especially anxiety over these physical needs, is kingdom alignment. It's aligning your heart with God's kingdom. It's an active seeking of God's kingdom. But I want to be clear that it's not your ability to seek that is effective to remove this anxiety. It's not like if you seek enough, if you seek hard enough, you're going to get. It's the infinite generosity of our Heavenly Father that is the only thing effective to remove this anxiety. Think about when Ruth, as we talked about, went out into the fields. She was trusting in God, not knowing where God's favor was going to come from, She didn't achieve the favor that she received. But it was given by God's generosity. Let me say that again. Our Heavenly Father is the only one effective to remove our anxiety. And he does so by giving, by displaying that grand generosity. And not just what we need, but he gives his entire kingdom. And so this is the last point. Not only does Jesus want you to be free from anxiety, but he wants to give you his kingdom. In full. This is the grand solution that drives away our fear the generosity of our Heavenly Father, whose good pleasure is to give you His kingdom. Verse 32 again, He says, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Just receive that promise from Jesus right now. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so there's no need to fear. As he points out, we're the flock, meaning he's our shepherd. He knows our needs. He's concerned about protecting us and providing for us. But not only is our he our shepherd, he's our father. He loves us. He's pleased to give to us. He's not obligated to give to us. He's not coerced to give to us. He's pleased as our father and filled with that God-sized pleasure when he gives to you. And he doesn't, he doesn't, Again, he doesn't just give you the bare necessities. He gives you everything. The Father's good pleasure is to restore everything you were designed for. His good pleasure is to reconcile all things in your life, to wash you clean from a past that's been stained by the other kingdom. It's his good pleasure to begin pouring out every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places upon you. But there's nothing more important that he gives than a renewed relationship with him. Remember, that's our entire purpose, is to reflect God's goodness and beauty and glory and to relate to him with nothing in between. And so the most important thing that he's pleased to give you is a renewed relationship with him where you're welcome to his family table. And Jesus, in John 17, says, Praise for that. He says, my, my desire is that they be perfectly one in me and I in you with the glory that we had from all eternity, that unhindered fellowship and relationship together. That's what God wants for you. And just imagine that while Jesus is speaking these words, he's talking about seeking the kingdom of God. He knows what's about to happen in his own life to bring that about. The disciples probably didn't have any clue, even though he mentioned it, And here Jesus knows what's in store. He knows that he is the key, the missing piece to this puzzle of need and lack and hunger and want. He knows that he is the the key to all of this. It's God's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. And Jesus steps in and he says, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to make that happen. Jesus knew that his very presence in human flesh was the pinnacle of the Father's generosity God didn't spare his own son, how much more will he graciously give you all things? His good pleasure is to give you the kingdom and Jesus' good pleasure is to step up as the conquering king who puts the kingdom of fear to shame so that you can be delivered out of it. In order for you to be able to seek God's kingdom, that means that God must be king. Right? He must be ruling that kingdom over us and um, a few different writers summarize this, this theology that Jesus talks about, the kingdom of God. It's God's rule over God's people in God's place. That's the quickest, easiest way to summarize this idea of the kingdom of God. The whole world is captive, and this is, this is where that endless cycle of toiling to get food comes from. Genesis chapter 3. The whole world's captive to that curse that was put on the ground where God says, you're going to have to toil for your food. You're going to be destined to a life of pain. If you want to eat, it's going to be painful. That's the curse that's on this planet. But Jesus' entire ministry was to reverse that curse. His entire ministry was focused on making right this dilemma that we have to strive to get food. And Jesus says, no, no. Your whole life is about more than that, and I'm coming to set that right. He walked through life in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit, casting out fear everywhere he went, dominating the kingdom of darkness through pure obedience and humility. He was humble and kind and loving and generous without sin, but he didn't stop there. He didn't stop at just being an obedient, sinless human, right? He submitted to the generous, redemptive plan of the Father and gave up his life as the penalty for your sins and your rebellion. And he was crushed by death, the death of a criminal, to conquer that last enemy, which is death itself. And he was raised to life and he returned to heaven to rule right now where he is still ruling and he's calling to you to seek his kingdom. So if Jesus is saying that anxiety is a kingdom issue, we better... Start to look at how Jesus dealt with and established that kingdom. We need to start with Him. So, what does it mean when it says seek first the kingdom of God? If nothing else, if you don't know Jesus, the very first step in seeking God's kingdom is to fling yourself at the feet of Jesus. You've got to fling yourself at His feet in total faith and dependence upon His righteousness and forgiveness. In order to become one of those people who has been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom of light, you have to cast yourself upon Jesus and depend on him for salvation, recognizing that he alone can bring you out of the kingdom of darkness. He alone can rescue and restore and forgive and cleanse. See, you can't, you can never, you will never experience the fullness of God's generosity unless you've taken that initial step of casting yourself at the feet of Jesus and running to him for refuge and being delivered out of the kingdom of darkness by Jesus, the saving king. Okay, but you say, I've already done that. I'm in God's kingdom. I'm a believer. I'm a follower. I'm a disciple. I know Jesus. Still, how do I go about this seeking of the kingdom in order to have these things added to me You're still battling anxiety right now. You're still fearful about how you're going to pay the bills. You don't know. It doesn't make sense on paper, in your spreadsheet. Jesus would say to you, it's the daily taking up your cross and following me. To seek God's kingdom is to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus, daily submitting to his rule in every area of life. I don't know about you, but for me, The daily taking up of your cross is a difficult thing to do, but that's where we have to start. If we've already been brought into God's kingdom, this is the next step for us, is that every day when you wake up, your attention goes to submitting to Jesus' rule over your life. You're taking up that cross and you're crucifying your own desires, you're crucifying the things that you think you need, you're crucifying your own comforts, your own pleasures, and saying, how is Jesus going to rule over me today so that I can be about his work and God's will? But there's one last thought down here in verse 33 that seeming, is seemingly really like random and out of left field, but it's not. He says, Fear not, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, sell your possessions and give to the needy see the next crucial part of seeking God's kingdom is that you begin to reflect the generosity of God by taking what you have, even when you're in the most dire need and giving it to somebody else. Because that's what God does, right? He's so generous. He, he didn't spare his own son. And that's his calling to you is if you're going to be about His kingdom, You're not going to treasure these material possessions that you think you need. You're actually going to take them because they've been given by God and you're going to give them to somebody else. And so there's this progression of, of entering the kingdom of God by deliverance through Jesus. And then you're daily taking up your cross and you're daily focusing all of your attention and your affection on his kingdom and his rule. And then you're taking those things and you're saying, God, I need something. I need food. I need to pay this bill. I need provision and here's something that you've given me, and there's somebody else who has need. I'm going to give it to them. And Jesus says, that right there, that is a person who's living like a person in my kingdom, somebody who is generous to the core. Despite any need they have, they're going to take and they're going to give. When you do that, you're, you're demonstrating that you value God's kingdom more than your own basic physical needs. And you're demonstrating before God that you recognize your life is about something more. You're recognizing that your life is about his kingdom, and you just want to be a part of that. You just want to be generous like your father. And so you pour out what you have to those who are in need. And he says that's going to be a treasure that is in the heavens for eternity that nobody can steal, nobody can destroy that. When you're living a life that is generous like your father, that can't be taken away from you, and that begins to round out the idea of, of being a person who seeks God's kingdom first. And when, when that's where your heart is, these physical needs, you're, again, you're going to progressively become less and less concerned about the physical needs because you know God's going to provide. Each time you take that step of faith and you give to somebody, you know God's going to come through. You know he's going to provide because he's trustworthy and he rewards that faith. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And He says that, that where your treasure is, where your attention is, the things that you hold on to most tightly, that's where your heart is. So if you're holding on to these material basic needs of life, and that's where you're dedicating all of your attention and your affection, and you're seeking after those things, and you're concerned about them, and you're worrying about them, and that's where you are living he says, your heart is bound up in the kingdom of this world. But when you begin to be focused on his kingdom, you're, you're not going to treasure those material things as much, and you're going to realize that that your life is so much more, and God, God's not going to withhold everything you need. And there's still, like, th- that's all I have on paper, um, and I, I believe Dan wants to finish up with just a time of prayer and ministry. Uh, but there's still, there's so many dilemmas in our mind when we think about these things like there's still real needs facing us this when you when you think about these things it's not like your need instantly disappears and so I don't have like a full um conclusion here to like really wrap that up nicely and like really break it down point by point for you other than just to say that it's that progression of, of being, first of all, entering into God's kingdom people through Jesus. If you haven't done that, you have to do that now. Otherwise, you're going to be destined to that life of toiling. Without the, without the deliverance of Jesus, you're going to be stuck there. And then that ongoing progression of day by day, moment by moment, being focused with all of your attention on what you need to, how you need to come under the rule of Jesus, and then giving. Mm, there's just I feel like we could just talk about this um, for a while now. But I'm just going to stop here. Um, I'm going to let Dan finish up here with what he's got. Um, but I do want to just pray to close this out. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that each person who's facing a real need in their life right now, when it comes to these basic physical needs and provisions, Lord, help us to understand that this is a kingdom issue. This is an issue of where our affection is seated, where our trust is resting. Are we a people that is trusting in you, our provider, our good, generous God who wants to give us your full kingdom? And so, Lord, I I pray for each person who's experiencing these needs that you would take these thoughts of mine on this scripture passage and make it make sense in their hearts spirit would you would you work through this text and make us a people who is concerned above all other things about your kingdom about submitting to your rule being generous people who give to those in need because you're not that you're a god who's in need you're a god who gives though and we want to reflect that So Lord, as we are in this time of uncertainty and anxiety over these things, people are laid off, not getting paid. Lord, speak loudly through this text and make us a people who are focused on your kingdom first above all else. And we know you're going to provide the rest, Lord. We trust in you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: That text ends by kind of putting the ball in our court in so many ways Uh, for where your treasure is there will your heart be also in times where we feel our limitations in times where we sense our needs all the more it's important that our hearts aren't overtaken with the anxieties and, and those cares but it's important that we keep our focus on on the kingdom that we keep our focus on the king uh, during these, these times that, that our hearts aren't consumed with the needs that surround us, but our, our hearts remain centered on the one who ultimately provides everything uh, that we need, namely Jesus, the one who uh, is life, the one who sustains all life. Uh, so it is a real temptation during the season uh, that we would become overwhelmed, that anxieties would kind of creep in. Uh, but our, our, our aim as believers is to maintain our focus on the kingdom, uh, maintain our focus on the king, to continue to follow after Jesus. And as God gives us opportunity to be generous to others, maybe God wants to meet the needs, the physical needs of others through through your giving, through your hands. Uh, maybe it's time to be like Jesus in those ways. And so throughout this season, uh, obviously, need is even represented within the church body, uh, and it's important to keep our, our view on the kingdom, uh, building treasure, investing in, in the kingdom, um, even as by giving so that the needs of others might be uh, satisfied. So, so where is your treasure? Is your treasure uh, in, in, in the things of the earth, or is your treasure... Uh, in the King, namely King Jesus, who, uh, as we know, is generous. He's the one who's given Himself uh, for our good. Uh, a few things, though, that I, I want you to consider um, as we kind of wrap things up, and is uh, we don't often do this as God gives us opportunity, we do. Uh, but even online, we want to just pray for some folks who may be in need during during this season, and um, even in preparation for this morning, felt like there was a handful of words of knowledge. If, there, if words of knowledge are a weird thing to you, uh, we just believe that the Holy Spirit uh, impresses things upon our hearts so that we might know how to pray. Um, even in a season like this, where it's online and we're at a distance, uh, we can't necessarily share our needs in all the ways that uh, we may want um, uh, but God knows those needs and sometimes he places those on our hearts so that we can pray into it so uh, if if any of these needs kind of map on to your experience I'd really encourage you to maybe um, just make a comment on YouTube uh, to kind of confirm what we believe God may be doing uh, one of the one of the issues that I want to pray into as we're kind of closing things out is uh, Lower back and hip pain—it's um, kind of a sharp, a sharper pain—and uh, so we want to be praying into that. Maybe many of you say, "Well, of course we have have, have hip pain." Well, let's let's pray into it uh, this morning. Also, I believe there may be some with stomach issues uh, due to the stress of this season. Uh, perhaps IBS is is being felt uh, during this season. So we just want to pray into that. Also, perhaps um, um, there may be uh, a parent who uh, has been kind of carrying around your kid in the last couple days and feel the neck pain and arm pain as a result of of those activities. And so we want to pray into that. Also, um, someone who may have like... Um, really sensitive ankles. Uh, the ankles feel weak and may even in this season be a bit swollen. Uh, that may be because of activity or inactivity, and so uh, we want to pray in that. And then finally, um, just sense that there may be someone battling with a, a addiction, specifically from um, prescription pills. Uh, so we also want to pray uh, into that as well. And once again, if any of this kind of maps on uh, to your experience, uh, please make a, a comment. So that kind of establishes uh, faith in what we're accomplishing and doing um, this morning. So let's go ahead and spend a little time uh, just in prayer, and we'll transition to our final song together. Father, we are, are grateful that you are radically generous God, your kingdom is a kingdom of generosity, and God, we, we, need, we need our eyes to be placed upon you, upon your heart. When our eyes become uh, horizontal, we see all our needs, we see all the, the tensions, all the unknowns, uh, we see our pains, we see our grief, and, and so God, in, in these moments, um, by your Spirit, we pray that you'd give us eyes to go vertical that would look to you as the one who is generous who does care for us on a moment by moment basis and so father i I pray for any who may have just kind of that sharp lower back hip pain Uh, god i pray that you grant them healing even right now i pray that by your presence uh, you would come and uh, straighten out what needs to be straightened out that you would relieve the nerves uh, in that lower back pain, and that you'd bring um, just peace uh, to those who are suffering. So in Jesus' name, we, we, we pray healing. Also then for those who have stomach issues due to stress-related um, things, we, we pray even right now that you would bring healing uh, to the stomach. We pray that you would Uh, even lift in these moments something of the anxieties that are perhaps plaguing these folks. We pray that uh, they would know something of your fatherly care and security in a spiritual way. God, we understand that who we are spiritually and physically, it overlaps, it's interconnected. And so, God, we we do pray that you would relieve kind of the, the spiritual pressures and anxieties that weigh upon the soul. But God, that you would also then bring healing uh, to the physical ailments and to the stomach and to the stresses that are felt there. So, God, we we pray your healing power upon those. And God, we thank you for parents. We thank you for all the work, the added work that they've been uh, doing even recently with um, school now taking place at home, the added busyness, the added responsibilities. We thank you for. Uh, our teachers and the ones who oftentimes would be serving our children during this time. But we also ask for added strength to the parents who are caring for kids at home and trying to do school online. But I specifically pray for anyone who may have been carrying around their kids throughout this past week and now feel the pain, the neck pain and arm pain. And so, God, we, we ask that you would relieve that pain in Jesus' name, that you would uh, just kind of relieve the nerves that are involved there as well and bring healing to them. God, And for the one who is uh, suffering from just kind of ankle pain, weakness and swollenness, God, we, we pray against that swollenness. We ask that you would strengthen uh, those ankles, grant mobility to that person even now in Jesus' name. And finally, we pray for uh, those who may be battling addiction. God, we pray that um, you would break that addiction, uh, that you would show something of your, your, your supernatural work in undoing what uh, perhaps carries um, spiritual and physical implications, that there, there are spiritual needs there that are driving this uh, physical addiction. Uh, and so, God, we, we pray that you would satisfy uh, the heart of that person where there is perhaps... Um, where there is perhaps a uh, depression, um, even since there may be like self-harm going on um, for this person who is, who is hurting so deeply, God, I pray that you would um, shine your light upon them. I believe the Lord would say, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, rise and his light will shine upon you. God, shine your light upon that weary soul. Shine your light upon that depressed soul where the enemy has stepped in, where the enemy would uh, bring thoughts that are not true, whether of self-worth or just how they may be perceived by others. God, um, you are the generous Father. You are the one who makes us approved through Jesus. You are the one who celebrates us. You are the one who sings over us. And may this person, even right now, know something of your nearness. May they know something of your kindness. May they know something of your pleasure being sung over them. So God, we we break the hold of the enemy in Jesus' name, and we pray that you would grant them freedom from these prescription pills. We pray that you would set them free in Jesus' name. Jesus, we love your kingdom. We love your kingdom. We love that in your kingdom there is freedom. There is not bondage, but there is freedom and there is peace. And so, God, our hearts, we want our hearts not to be set on the things of the earth. We want our hearts to be set on your kingdom. We want to seek you. Um, Jesus, we want our hearts to be set on you. We want to follow after you. We want our lives to look generous like you. And so make us a people fit uh, for your kingdom. And we trust, then, that you will supply all the lesser needs from there. God, we know you care about us. We know you care. While needs abound, God, our hearts, may our hearts be set upon you and upon your kingdom purposes. So God, do this work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.